Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. We gather to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The service of liturgy, music, and homily are offered for our Marsh congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We invite your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship come Sunday. This is the autumnal day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
pray. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, that we may obtain what you promise, make us love what you command. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We gather as the choir leads us in offering for us the Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, as a sung version of our silent prayer of confession, our word of contrition, our hymn of lament. We will need to be and live in a way, writes one, that is less naive in its assumptions, more modest in its ambitions, more humble in its approach, and more imaginative in its anticipation of what can go wrong. May we offer this day, this Lord's Day, our prayer of confession. whose name is love, whose nature is compassion, whose presence is joy, whose word is truth, whose spirit is goodness, whose holiness is beauty, whose will is peace, and in whose service is perfect freedom. Deliver us, we pray, Pardon us, we ask. Grant us thy peace. Amen. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Job, chapter 42, verses 1 through 6 and 10 through 17. Then Job answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, 
which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you declare to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then there came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before, and they ate bread with him in his house. They showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a 1,000 yoke of oxen, and a 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapuk. In all the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters and their father gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his children's children, four generations. And Job died old and full of days. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh. 
Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 34 with the Antiphon. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast to the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I saw the Lord in the me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him, and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried, and was served by the Lord, and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. They came to Jericho, and as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Christ. 
Please be seated. The ministry of Marsh Chapel, beloved in this decade, quickens in connection with voice and vocation and volume. And the voice of this pulpit, lifted and shared in the liberality of the gospel, continues as it has been so lifted from the time of our very first dean and preacher, Dr. Franklin H. Littell. Our psalm today celebrates that voice. The vocation to service in ministry and culture to which we invite young people every day is our ongoing joy and hope and gift. Our lesson today celebrates vocation. The volume, the increasing and growing volume of our community together, our worshiping presence as the people of God, grows in ordered worship as we lift hymns in four-part harmony, enjoy choral music, uh, both historic and contemporary, and ponder the word with head and heart to unite the two so long disjoined learning and vital piety, just as today in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. The broken are healed, the sightless are given faith, the insight of faith. The gospel today speaks of insightful faith. It rounds out the first half of Mark's gospel and concludes the series of vignettes in which Jesus, the risen Mark in Christ, is presented to the early community in preaching and teaching and healing. Soon the gospel will move now to the events of Holy Week and the Passion. But today, at the last, at this moment, we're given a and a sight, an insight into faith. Well for us today, because especially today, we remember Littell, Franklin Littell, who died this past spring at age 91, who lived and preached such a faith, a faith, a faith that gives sight, an insightful faith. We are fairly well versed in the ways that this pulpit for five decades has sought to build bridges over the great divisions of life and experience, and so to address here in voice poverty, race, difference, gender, class, orientation. But from day one, in the earliest moment, at the dawning of Marsh Chapel, there was yet another and a more primordial dimension to the liberality of the gospel that faced all these challenges, but also faced and faced down te odium theologicum, theological hatred, the difference between religious expressions. Such was the ministry and life and voice of Dr. Franklin Littell, who occupied this pulpit in 1952, President Daniel Marsh brought him here, and as recently as May of 2006, Littell was able, at age 88, to preach right here, as he did that, that spring at commencement for the School of Theology. Perhaps both his life and death are somewhat unfamiliar territory for you. In fact, I guess that may be the case for some, and so today I offer a moment of remembrance this Sunday in connect, connection and conjunction with our Boston University Alumni Weekend. Remembering Littell. First, he was the father of Holocaust studies. Littell was from 1959 at Emory University, the first in full to offer courses, formal study in the area of the Holocaust. And throughout his life and with passion, as a Methodist preacher, he continuously challenged his community, the Christian community, our community, to take emotional responsibility for the horror of the Holocaust. Littell, in his time, here and later in his long career, never stopped pushing, preaching, addressing his own Christian church to take a hard, deep, and long look at Auschwitz. As he did from this pulpit, he did so later as college president and in scores of classrooms from Temple to Emory to Chicago. We remember his words. 
Most Gentiles, he wrote, even church leaders, have not fully confronted the Holocaust and its lessons for the present day. And it is important for the future to know that in those terrible years, not all of the Gentiles in Christendom were either perpetrators or passive spectators, so he wrote. Second, likewise, Littell gracefully and steadily combined learning and piety. His ministry embraced both head and heart and actually could not have been conceived or developed without such a real, even radical, integration of the mind and the spirit. His passion about the Holocaust, for instance, began out of a revulsion he felt as a student in Germany in 1939, coming upon a Hitler rally. He never forgot the feeling of that experience, and that feeling fueled his work through the years. Feelings are far more than emotions, far more than sentiment. They are the great steed, the great horse of faith on which we ride. The mind is but the bit and bridle, as Wesley somewhere wrote. But it is feeling that is the great steed carrying us forward. And so Littell pressed the church, his church, our church, to remember the Kingswood hymn of Charles Wesley to unite the two so long disjoined learning and vital piety. And so he was a preacher who also later was a president of, of Iowa Wesleyan. And so he was a pastor, a pastor who also taught and wrote. And so he was a person of feeling and a person of faith who saw the need to combine mind and heart. Third, and in addition, Littell was a New Testament scholar and an early supporter and even translator and commentator upon the work of Rudolf Bultmann, whose own voice is still an important voice in the study of the New Testament. That is to interpret the scripture, to say what it means. We must painstakingly and with great investment learn what it meant in history, in psychology, in sociology, and in philosophy. What it means depends upon what it meant. Father of the Holocaust studies, person of united head and heart, and one given to the critical study of the New Testament, these three gifts, among others, are gifts of Franklin Littell to our time. His voice continues to bless us right here, just now, at Marsh Chapel, 2009. His voice, that voice, the voice of the liberality of the gospel is our work, is our mission. Beloved, in the lineage of Littell, we in the Christian community have work yet to do, one part theological and one part liturgical. We have theological work yet to do. Judaism and Christianity share a vision of redemption in history, yet the ongoing work and rumination about redemption in Exodus and resurrection both demands and deserves and requires ever deeper reflection. The annual Ellie Wiesel lectures, which begin again tomorrow night here at Boston University, provide us an annual opportunity to labor together in this part of the theological vineyard. Further, the devastating, demonic disaster of the Holocaust of the 1940s stands for those with eyes to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to remember, to challenge both the religious and secular affirmations of various sorts of redemption in the late modern period. In particular, claims of universality, which overlook, diminish, or otherwise step aside from the particular in every particular, stand under the challenge of the Holocaust whose study Littell initiated. Our understandings of revelation stand under that challenge. Our use of dialectic feels the strain of that same challenge. 
our universalization of communication and to some degree evaluation lies under the same shadow too. Our communal theological work within the Christian community includes the work of reading in the works of great Jewish theological writers and scholars. The books of Abraham Heschel come to mind. Articles and other writings from Irving Greenberg and others like his article, Cloud of Smoke, Pillar of Fire, come to mind. Voices like that of Emil Fackenheim come to mind, who when asked to defend his practice of his Jewish faith, responded that his faith was a way of resisting Hitler and resisting in his own time any posthumous victories by Hitler. At first, our own work, Tracing Littells, may involve reading and hearing the works of our Jewish siblings in conjoint reflection and rumination. Our own theological work, much yet, is still to be done. We have liturgical work to do as well. Irving Greenberg, as it happened some years ago, outlined various forms of Jewish reflection on theological models and liturgical practice. He wrote about Job, from whom we heard this morning. He wrote about Isaiah 53. He wrote about Lamentations. He wrote most personally about silence. He wrote about religious testimony in life, in experiences of chesed, mercy, in rebirth, in rebirth of the people of Israel, in exploration of the imago dei, in authority and authenticity. And finally, he warned us about some of the trends and tra trajectories inherent in humanism, in the modern understanding of the protean man, and in the dichotomy between spirit and flesh. Our own liturgical work continues as well. The tragedy of anti-Semitism well predates the New Testament, but the 27 books of our canon, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 to John, John chapter 10, are shot through with this same tragedy. The church has yet to come to terms with the deadening effect of our lectionary readings and liturgical practices. We have found ways in our time to honor the experience of women in lectionary and liturgy and in our liturgical phrasing. We have learned ways in our time to honor in lectionary and liturgy those outside and those foreign in our church language. But we have not budged in the main. When reading the Passion narrative in John with its fisted, hurtful chorus, hoi hu dioi, hoi hu dioi, we have liturgical work to do. Our work, theological and liturgical, lies ahead of us as we pursue it with vim, vigor, vitality, and pepperino. Let us carry with us the voice of Franklin Littell, who said, if Christianity is to recover its integrity and to blow its trumpet again with a clear note, Christians must repent of their betrayals of the faith and turn to works worthy of repentance. Our theological and liturgical work continues as we undertake it. Let us carry with us the voice of Franklin Littell who said, the action for Christians is to mourn that there were not more of the righteous in Christendom in those years, that apostasy was widespread instead, and to work in our own time before the night falls again that our pulpits instill amity instead of hostility, courage instead of time-serving cowardice. Beloved, we gather on a beautiful autumn Sunday morning. Today and this morning in meditation, remembering Littell, I like to think of and to imagine in the mind's eye an autumn day equally beautiful say perhaps in the year 1955, along Broadway in New York City, 
And there is the front door of the Jewish Theological Seminary from which emerges Abraham Heschel. And there is the front door of the Union Theological Seminary from which emerges Reinhold Niebuhr. And together on that autumn day, as often they did for an hour in the afternoon, they walk together down Riverside Drive, or around Grant's tomb, in silence and in conver conversation. Together they think, together they probe, together they reason, and both are the better for it, and we are the better for it. We give Heschel our last word this morning in remembrance. Maybe it was upon such an autumnal walk that he thought through these lines and later wrote them. There are three ways in which a man expresses his deep sorrow. The man on the lowest level cries. The man on the next level is silent. But the man on the highest level knows how to turn his sorrow into a song. Amen. For the singer whose voice sounds through the stillness, give thanks. For the prayer partner whose hands tremble with the vitality of the Holy Spirit, give thanks. For the soulmate whose gentleness calms troubled souls, give thanks. For the healer whose touch radiates heavenly heat, give thanks. For the friend whose face reflects strength and determination, give thanks. For all companions on the way, give thanks. For angels among us, give thanks. This morning we give thanks together. As we come to our time of prayer, I would invite you, according to your tradition, to come to the communion rail, kneel where you are, stand, or remain seated. As we sing together our call to prayer, lead me, Lord. Today, as we remember Franklin Littell, we pray in the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one who did resist as a Christian, and whose sorrow was indeed turned to song. By gracious powers so wonderfully sheltered, and confidently waiting, come what may, we know that God is with us night and morning, and never fails to greet us each new day. Yet is this heart by its old foe tormented? Still evil days bring burdens hard to bear. O oh, give our frightened souls the sure salvation, for which, O oh Lord, you taught us to prepare. And when this cup you give is filled to brimming, with bitter sorrow hard to understand, we take it thankfully and without trembling, out of so good and so beloved a hand. Yet when again in this same world you give us the joy we had 
the brightness of your sun. We shall remember all the days we lived through, and our whole life shall then be yours alone. O gracious and holy God, give us wisdom to perceive you, diligence to seek you, patience to wait for you, eyes to behold you, a heart to meditate upon you, and a life to proclaim you. Through the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. This weekend is Alumni Weekend, so I want to give out a special welcome to all of the alums who have joined us in worship today, as well as to those alums who are listening on the airwaves. Welcome, everyone. First of all, I'd like to thank Nellie Staley, who's an alum from the Law School of 2009, for doing our lesson today. Thanks, Nellie. Appreciate it. Also, if you're an alum visiting, um, we have these red pads that are at the end of your pews towards the center aisle. If you're interested in getting connected with us, you could just write down your name so that we can get to know you better, and also so that those folks seated next to you can get to know you better as well. If you just fill out your name and perhaps your um, college affiliation, maybe what years you came to Marsh if you um, haven't been for a while, so I encourage you to fill those out. Also, we have our weekly coffee hour downstairs in the Marsh Room immediately following the service, so we'd love to see you there if you have time. Also, this Friday, the servant team is putting on a haunted chapel from 7.30 to 9.30 on Friday. Um, if you'd like to come, we encourage you to bring a can of food for the food drive for the Boston Medical Center. You should come check it out. I think it's going to be very interesting. I hear they're going to be changing up the marsh room a little bit. So, hope you can join. Now, walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
of abundance, as one congregation, we collect our resources of time, money, and spirit so that we might commit ourselves as one body of Christ. Bless this offertory and create in us a unified heart of generosity. Amen. his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. 